Kia ora and thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Coach's Corner podcast. Today's guest was friend of the show and newly appointed FPC coach, Jimmy Sinclair. Welcome back in, brother. Kia ora, kia ora. How's it going, man? Yeah. Good to be here again, round two. Yeah. Or round three, officially. Round we, three. We, we did do a round where we forgot to press record. Yeah, yeah. In the early days. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, when we were first starting off. And I guess it's probably been close to a year now since we actually first had a talk. And there's right. been a bit of a bit of a change in what you've been up to. You've got yeah. some, some new things, exciting stuff. So, that's probably what our, um, our conversation is around today, is kind of having a chat about you now, our newly appointed... FPC head coach. So, why, or actually, what, what motivated you to chuck your name in the hat um, to lead our FPC team? Uh, what motivated me was probably the challenge. I think, I think um, every team I've ever coached, there's always been something happening around um, the new challenge. So, when I think about the first time I was head coaching at Southbridge, you know, they hadn't won for like 32 years, the Coleman Shield, and it meant a lot to the players. Um, into the community so that was exciting for me because I wanted to be part of something that was trying to make a big difference yeah. so every time I've coached and then obviously like going through my career with sevens it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable so I've always been drawn to coaching teams where I feel as though there's a little bit of nervousness because that means I'm excited so yeah. when I found out about this role and this opportunity I'd obviously like worked with BB and TC and Whitney before in the past um, in a different capacity around supporting coaching and that supported my own growth. So when I thought about um, what they'd done around how many black teams they'd created and that excited me, I thought that's pretty, that makes me a little bit nervous yeah. around taking on something like that. So which which I know is good because it means you're going to work hard, you're going to be motivated to make sure you're doing the right things to give the best opportunities for the players and the best development. So that was kind of the main motivation was when I think about do I want to invest all my time for coaching, there has to be something that's driving my motivation to make me a little bit nervous because yeah. then I want to do the best job possible. So I've found when I've done other coaching jobs where there hasn't been maybe any edge or, um, yeah, I just, I have it, you know, it's just not as exciting. So that was kind of the main motivation. So what is it that excites you about this? Well, I think if you think about the the legacy that's been created since they won I think they was it 2017 when the team won for the first time. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then they've won loads after that, right? So that's an exciting time because you've actually got to be really on your game as a coach to actually make sure that you're moving the program forward. So I think I said one of the media people asked that as well around, you know, how you're going to deal with that. But I, I, I genuinely think it's exciting. Like, not to say that, um, you know, if you took on a team that had really poor measures of success yeah. in the past and hadn't won any games. I just think it's really easy to get quick wins in those situations, which doesn't, that's not good or bad. Just for me, if I want to commit to coaching, you know, I want to be all in. Yeah. So I feel as though this is getting me really excited. And then secondly to that, I, you know, there's a there's a duty of, um, you know, you want to make sure that legacy continues after all the great work. You know, me and Blair Baxter are great friends. And so part of, there's a part of me there around, you know, ensuring that we can continue to build on what he's created and yeah. what he's led. So I think having that tight connection kind of been on the outside of the group, like with BB and corridor conversations and phone calls has always helped me be connected from afar to the environment. Yeah, so, yeah. so I think that was another part too around, you know, hearing him talk about it is exciting. And so that's really cool too. And then the other side of it, mate, is I, um, you know, I'm really excited by some of the players that are here in Canterbury this year in particular, like 
one, there's some super exciting new talent that exists in the community who have, who have moved. And then obviously there's, there's the contractor black firms who are, you know, arguably leading the way when it comes to professionalism. So I think it's really exciting working with them too. And yeah, so I'm just, I think the timing's right too. You know, I haven't, I haven't officially kind of been a head coach for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I think the time I've done a few assistant roles here and there helping out. So I feel as though the timing was right to fully commit. Yeah. Um, which is nice. The, um, I've, just as you've been talking there, I've just been scribbling a whole bunch of stuff down. I want to kind of rewind back to that um, comment that you said earlier around Southbridge and the challenge yeah. there, right? They hadn't won the Coleman Shield and yeah, all that yeah, type yeah. stuff. And that, to you, was an exciting challenge. And now that you're in those two contrasting worlds, right? So you've got haven't won anything, that's a really exciting challenge to help build a club up to get to there. Yeah. Have won a lot, have an established legacy, exciting in a way to try and carry on but create create my own stuff. What differences do you see those challenges? Well, yeah, how do you see those challenges be like the same but different? And Yeah, I think obviously with the Southbridge run, like the motivation for players was pretty simple, right? Like yeah. they'd, they'd lost... I think two finals in a row, both finals had been like in the 81st minute. They'd won by lost by one point to the same team. So the motivation for them was very high because there was a lot of pain. So yeah. it was easy to get buy-in around the vision is, you know, 32 years and we put a theme around that around what that might mean to us. And and so that was good. And now so I think it's a bit different now because the the conversation and the motivation with FPC is it's more around building a legacy. So how we're going to continue to be better than we were last year, even though we're arguably already dominating. So, yeah. and that comes with its own challenges. I think one of the biggest, or one of the things that is exciting too, is how do we unify the group as best as possible to make sure that I think this is where the women's game sits is, you know, you've got a talented 18 year old coming out of club rugby who trains on a Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, you might have an academy player that sits within that who gets a bit of extra love. And then you've got a full-time athlete with a black fern that's training every day, which is super awesome. So how do we unify all these people to one common purpose is yeah. probably going to be our, I would call it our greatest opportunity rather than a challenge. I yeah. think that ex, that's exciting to think about, you know, having an 18-year-old that can be playing alongside and learning from a black fern. And then so and then, then the actual coaching conversation around that is, well, how do we still ensure that the black firm gets what they need versus the 18-year-old gets exactly what they need and then the academy player? So being really tailored around the way that we cater to each individual player's kind yeah. of opportunity to grow and develop. So how are you toggling that? Because you're right, the black firm's like a Pip Love or Amy Rule, right? Yeah, They're yeah, yeah. World-class in their position. Yeah. So what what more can they actually yeah. learn? Yeah, yeah, that's right. In their position versus a young upcoming prop that's in that position going well I'm gonna you're gonna see their learning and yeah. massively one of the things that's um really has been really impressed impressive you know the I feel as though this is often the, the often the the assumption is that you know the higher up you go in high performance the less the less likely you are to be yeah. engaged in learning but actually sometimes it's the opposite like the higher up you go in high performance the reason the players are so good well the reason why they're a high performing athlete is because actually they they want every bit of feedback they can get you know like if if you came to one of our kind of skills hub sessions um with the black ferns you know you when you when we do our 
uh, micro work or our, um, doing some activities, you know, they they really want the the feedback every single rep. You know, where did my hands finish on that pass? You know, how can I depart better? You know, when I do my jackal, like where is my hand in relation to my head? You know, how can I get more leverage on their elbow? Like they really want that, that lots and detail. lots of detail because yeah. that gives them clarity and confidence. So, and I think that's awesome. So that's that's a success. I think in terms of how are we going to cater to the 18-year-old versus the black fan versus the academy is, you know, one of the best things that Canary Rugby does in the Crusaders is around, in Matatu, is around kind of the six pillars of development. So so the technical side of the game in terms of your run, catch, pass, or your tackle technique, that stuff, you know, you can get further down the micro detail for a player that's high end, but yep. you're still going to be coaching their technical. We're always looking to make them technically better and tactically better. I think if you think about further up the chain with some of the black fans who are full-time, you know, some of the extra love that they might be getting might, might be around like decision-making under pressure, or it might be around tactical decision-making under pressure as a leader. It might be even around how to how to actually lead a group. So how do you lead a group on game day? Or how do you lead a group at training? How do you have critical conversations? So the pillars of development that we start framing up with them might look a bit different compared to an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old they might have a lot of physical talent, so they might be fast and powerful and strong. Yeah. So our role within their pathway or their journey around their performance plan might be a little bit more focused around run, catch, pass, or even some tactical awareness to help them become a better game driver. So I think when we're thinking about players, that's kind of how we're trying to cater to the different levels is, you know, you might have a high-end player. We can work in all six pillars yeah. with a full-time contracted player. Maybe with an academy player, you know, it might be a little bit more. Let's focus purely on technical. Two or three. Yeah, 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 two or three. And that way, everyone's still getting access to what they need, but it just looks different for yeah. different players. Well, we last week we were talking to Kenj, and so Kenj would say that she, when she was coming through, yeah. and she was in she was in that space that eighteen, she was in her last year of school or her second last year of school, mm. and um, the Black Ferns coach at the time came up to her and said, hey, would you like to play FPC? Are you here? And then she kind of she kind of said, oh, no, I just want to have one more year off and have fun with my friends and stuff like that. Yeah. Are you having those conversations now with some of those those girls that are kind of there, thereabouts, or just not quite yet? With younger, with really yeah, younger yeah, players? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's like a couple of young players this year that we're certainly interested in, yeah. Um, and having conversations with that, we're really conscious around, you know, in the in the female game, there are some athletes that some of them even are playing their last year of high school rugby that arguably could slot in somewhere within the FPC program. So, yeah. but one thing, you know, and I think like Razor does a good job of this too. Like, you still the the one thing you all want players to do, whether their performance is enjoy the game, because. Yeah. That still is the root of why do you play the game when you come back to it is lots, you know, it's around family, it's around friends, it's around connection to something. So I think the last thing we're trying to do is well, the worst thing you can do as a coach is sometimes fast track a player yeah. because they're physically gifted. If they're physically gifted around speed or they might be fitter than anyone else, or even technically they've got some really good stuff and tactically, but sometimes when we accelerate them, you know, then we get things like expectation becomes higher, the scrutiny comes on tighter yeah and then we actually find that there's a dip in their performance so yeah we're really conscious of that but then in, in saying that in the same breath you know it's it's all player preference you know if you take a georgia miller she's 18 years old and arguably one of the best players on the seventh circuit at the moment. yeah so, yeah yeah you know if we took that angle with her and like let's buy her time and not put her in the deep end she actually thrive she's thriving she's, and that yeah so it all comes down to the player's personality 
what's their background yeah um and their self-awareness you know if they're really driven if they're in personality that's really driven and wants to be the best there's nothing wrong if they if they're willing to do it and they've got a great support network around them with a good family and so yeah so it all comes down to personal uh the player's environment yeah yeah you mentioned earlier around kind of those bump conversations or corridor conversations that you had with with bb and like i've had plenty of them with him yeah, as well yeah, last yeah. year while he was he was here with us and then obviously you've and you said that like you felt connected to the group, although from afar. And I agree with you there as well. Like I was pretty lucky enough to have the privilege to go and help out with those wider training squad yeah, sessions yeah, that BB yeah. ran last year. Yeah. And so that connection piece with, with the girls, do you feel like that's having been kind of attached to the team, but again from afar has helped your ability to connect with the girls a little bit? Well, these ladies within the team now a little bit easier or that transition it's not just a brand new cold face new yeah. coach yeah definitely i think that that's been a big help there's certain players you know when i was coaching well how i got into women's coaching was obviously through touch coaching a female touch team and then obviously my my wife was coaching the sevens team at that same high school and um a young player called isla fowler and lucy jenkins both played touch and sevens and they're like oh you should come to um she came to a sevens training. So sure enough, I came to a sevens training. Yeah. And so that's where I met my wife, Maddie. Um, and she played rugby for Lincoln Uni back then. So lots of the girls, yeah, they, they've been coached by me in some capacity, in a short capacity, or, you know, so that has helped a lot. Like relationships, like with the likes of Grace Brooker, and uh, has been like really positive. You know, you can kind yep. of walk in. The one thing that's blown my mind is, is how much, um, their skill sets improved, you know, in the last five years from when I was coached in front of the, some of those players prior and now you watch them there it's like they're a different athlete so it's really exciting to see what's happened around you put the resources into it and investment and then you know what they're showing on the field is, is world class and not even on the field just their self-awareness their leadership their curiosity it's really cool to yeah. see yeah what's happened around you, there's a great investment and it's actually making a huge difference yeah so yeah. it's cool well you also touched on around legacy and so there's obviously and we mentioned there's been a bit of a legacy that that's been built up between when they first won to yeah, yeah I just see look at over there yeah, just over um, over there, there. so <laughs> but and and you mentioned how exciting you are about it so what about that legacy excites you like what really is motivating you kind of because you're now I guess the Kaisiaki of of that legacy you're the guardian of that legacy now being at the helm of the yeah 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 at the helm. what is it that well, there's a couple of things. That, um, one of the things probably long-term that I'm most excited about is, you know, a key part of culture is, is what we refer to as sequencing. So how do we how do we take the knowledge that was prior to us and then fulfil it in the younger generation that's coming through? And one of the things that I think we're real privileged in Canterbury is we have such fortunate leaders that have been before, and some of them have currently retired, for example, at Kendra Coxedge and you know, we're really lucky this year. We've got Kim Smith and Anna McComb coming on as coaches. Both of them have um, been in Canterbury for a long time, have a wealth of knowledge. So one of the things that really excites me long-term is the legacy is, is how do we take some of these amazing people that we have within Canterbury, in particular some of the female coaches or female athletes that are retiring, and empower them to become the future coaches? Because um, I think that's a really important thing around we've got to give these opportunities so that we can actually help grow the next tier of coaches. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that really, really excites me. Um, the other thing that really, really excites me is is the continuation of growing more black ferns. So there's 10 here. 
in Canterbury that are playing for Canterbury and you know how do we keep growing them especially when I when we've been watching some club rugby this year there's certainly some players that definitely have potential to become a big thing so that really excites me around putting some stuff around that and then and the third part of it is um the collaboration between Matatu and Canterbury rugby really excites me you know working with Whitney Henson and Kate Sexton I mean all the support crew that are out in the Matatu realm I think yeah. You know, we're really working hard to try and create a common language um, that sits across Matatu, that filters down into provincial union lands so that players can get the best experience. And, you know, the dream is obviously to have more black friends from the South Island in general. So that collaboration really excites me because of the people that are involved. Um, yeah, yeah, so those are probably the three things so, that I yeah. get me out of bed. <laughs> that, that's cool. And so what is, like, all said and done, five, ten years down the track, yeah. or whatever, however long you're in the role, what is the legacy that you'd like to leave with this with this group then? Well, one of the legacies that uh, both me and Whitney have talked about, I think I think between the collaboration between Matatu and Canterbury is how do we create a world-leading high-performance environment for female athletes? Yeah. So we're not just talking about we're leading the way in rugby because we want to get a proof of concept to the rest of the world that, you know, when you put your ego on a hook, and you actually collaborate with other resources. So we don't need five mental skills coaches across one city. Yeah. You know, because we might only need two. Or how do we collaborate to create the best environment? Because through shared resources, shared language, shared philosophies, shared vision, the players are are the ones that receive the best experience through that. And that's our competitive advantage here, is that through Matatu and through Canterbury, and the people that we have involved in both those environments at the moment and their ability to be collaborative, the players are going to get the best experience they possibly can because yeah. we're sharing the resources. Is that important to you? Like that? Massive. Yeah. If we try to fight over a resource, you know, it's the players that, the, that are at the detriment of that yeah. because you've got people behind the scenes who are fighting over a resource. And who are the ones that actually, when at the coal faces, the players don't receive the best experience they possibly can. So, yeah, that's probably something that's really helping me. Um, I suppose just that's the legacy we want to leave is hundred percent is like we wanna we wanna to prove to the world that if you actually share your resources and collaborate, it's the players that, that get the best experience and that helps them to become the best that they can be, right? So yeah. that's something that really excites me around this role. And that was actually another motivation for applying for the role is is an is an original conversation with Whitney um around like her whole co-papa and what she's trying to do as the head of Mushroom Rugby. And automatically I was just like, this is awesome because we've got another person who we think alike in terms of, you know, we're real happy to put our ego aside for the benefit yeah. of the players. It's, it's not about... What does that mean, putting your ego on the hook? Because I know that, um, well, not, not that I know, but I imagine some coaches may feel that putting their ego aside is yeah. whatever it looks like for them. But what does that, like it could be like, well, I don't care if if we win or lose, like just as long as they're happy, but then others were like, oh, well, no, it's it is about me putting my ego aside is making sure that I'm doing my absolute best for the player, which means totally. I need to be like super a super competitive coach type thing. Yeah, but what yeah, does that yeah. mean for you putting it on the hook? Well, I think for me it always the view, you know, the the great quote that I try to use all the time is, you know, every viewpoint is a point from a view. So yeah. when I'm dealing, you know, we all come from different journeys, different backgrounds. We all have totally different belief systems and the you know, if I said to you us, me and you you know, you could get really controversial, you know, do you like fresh water? Do you like salt water? <laughs> yeah. uh, and then we could get to the controversial stuff, you know, did you think Jacinda was a great leader? Yes or no? So everyone's got different views, rightly or wrongly, but it's a viewpoint, right? Yes. Yeah. Most of the time, a viewpoint is from a different view. So we look at things from different angles. So 
often when we're looking at things, it's important to understand that quote in particular at the forefront of mind. But the biggest thing we talk about with ego and a hook is if you put the players at the centre of whatever decision you're about to make. So let's say, for example, you're trying to build a leadership framework. This yep. is this has been happening. We're trying to talk about a leadership framework for much too. So part of my background is is working within that space. So it'd be really easy for me to just be like, this is what a leadership framework looks like. It has to look like this. I've, I'm experienced in this. I understand it. So you're just going to follow this plan. It's yeah. simple. No, non, non-negotiable. But, you know, the collaboration is, you know, getting in a room, for example, and like thrashing it out and exploring different things that you haven't heard of before and accepting people's viewpoints. Even if you don't accept it, you have to be curious enough to, yeah. to go into it. It's it's like that great quote too from Einstein, you know, he's, he admits that he's he he claims he has no talents. He's just passionately curious, and I love that quote because if you think about some of the things that he kind of some of the mahi that he did at the time, people did genuinely think he was well. There were skeptics out there that just thought he was mad, and a lot of his research actually wasn't proven really well till he was a lot yeah. older. So, and you see that a lot in current society, like around people that are like genius or really creative or think differently or super collaborative you know often they're an outlier yeah but they don't they don't follow the, the traditional norms of how society should so is that where your us. curiosity comes from just from asking questions and and listening to other people's viewpoints yeah well part of my personality is i'm highly inquisitive so yeah. I, I like to explore things i don't actually know where that came from in my life that's probably something that i should that i should explore my my mother is a um She's a resource learning teacher up in Whakatane. So she works with teachers to give them professional development around how to deal with um, children that might have massive learning needs or yeah. might come from really um, high deprivation areas. So they just, they might not have parents or. So I think part of like growing up, there was always conversations around the house around exploring different ways of doing things and how do you get the best out of people. And, and I think naturally my mind was intrigued by some of that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know where, where we've ended up on that well, conversation. No, because I, no, I think it's really important because um, it's around leaving ego on, on the hook, oh, right? And so, thanks for bringing it back. And so, and so but, <laughs> but what's really cool, uh, what you're just saying, and, and it kind of reminds me of a couple of couple of things. So one one is around Adam, um, Adam Grant's book, Thank You Again. And so he yeah. says that you need to, talks around having like a scientific mindset or like think like a scientist, right? So oh, yeah. you've got to have, you've always got a question that you're trying to answer and you've like, and so what is your hypothesis? And then how, did, how are you actually going to test your hypothesis out? And then when it doesn't work, are you asking, are you asking the right questions around like, why isn't it, why isn't it working? That yeah, type yeah, stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, it's cool. so it's kind of coming up from a scientific background versus um, like, being like, oh, it just didn't work. Well, why didn't it work? I don't know. It just didn't work. So yeah, I'm just going yeah, yeah, like to do do something else. And so, and or you could kind of just start blaming. Well, it wasn't me. It was them. And I think that happens a lot, right? Yeah, like yeah, we, yeah. With you've been around the traps long enough, it'd be like, well, if these players listen to this game plan, you know, yeah, they'll they'll do it. And it's like, well, and Eddie Jones talks about it. It's like, well, if I've told them and they haven't understood it, it's not really them. It's not their fault. It's my fault. Oh, mate, hundred percent. We used to <laughs> we used to say that in coach education, like when you know back when we when we used to work here, me and BB used to joke. We'd come into the office on a on a whatever on a Wednesday morning after observing some coaches, and yeah, we'd say the same. We'd be like, oh man, last night you know at this training, I don't know what's going on, but like this happened, and you know it wasn't how I thought the coach was 
should be coaching and then we'd like laugh with each other because we'd be like well they came to our course like a year ago <laughs> so, so, so whatever we're doing within our own like you know yeah. delivery of the way we're facilitating learning uh, we're obviously like if we reflect on ourselves you know we're not doing a good enough job so yeah. it's a really interesting one eh? that that piece around yeah i suppose do you look out the out the window or do you look in the mirror yeah. so yeah and often we we should always start with looking in the mirror before we obviously look out the window because yeah. it's easy to look at the world and point fingers yeah yeah you're you're right and then we also had like one spith on a, on a number of weeks ago and he talked around how his when he went overseas his um his like his whole mindset of way that he saw it became almost globalized from playing at rugby in new zealand versus going over to um going over to italy and he's just like i just saw rugby in a whole different world yeah and then he as soon as he saw that, he started becoming curious. He's just like, oh, mm. there's not just one way that you do things. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's and, right. And that's I think right. that's probably really good. You've seen, I don't know how many trainings you've probably seen in your in your lifetime being a coach educator and obviously working here at, when you're working here at Rugby Park for what, yeah. six odd years. Yeah, yeah, Looking yeah. out the window and just watching training after training, you're like, you've probably seen like over 10,000 trainings. <laughs> so you, you can start questioning your experience back, right? You can start yeah. going... Well, I like that a little bit, like that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I think um, yeah, putting it the whole going back to the the ego on the hook, it probably does come a lot to like, you know, how curious are you? Yeah. You know, and I think people can put their ego on the hook if they do self-reflect first before they start looking externally. Yeah. I think that's a great a great place to start is what's your what's your reflection process for yourself? And that's important. If you start there, then you know, then you're actually you're going to be thinking about good things because you're critical on yourself rather than critical of others. Yeah. Um, so that's really, really important. And that's just a, I, I learned that actually being in the coach educator, like because we were helping coaches to reflect all the time, which obviously enhanced your own self-reflection. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so your coaching group, and we, we've talked about obviously um, you've, you're two, two new coaches and then like are you able to share who they are? Uh, yeah, so we've got a, we've got um, Sid's coming back. So yeah. he, he did some Sid Talmedi. Sid Talmedi, yeah, yep. and he's awesome. So he's um, he's come. He did set piece last year, but he's coming back and he's going to do attack. Yeah, this year, so that's going to excite. He's really excited about that, and he's he's doing an awesome job on that. Um, and I'm really enjoying working with Sid. He's got he's got a great curious mind as well, and yep. very reflective. So we have some great conversations, uh, which I really enjoy. And then uh, Solomona is coming. He's been in Japan, yeah. um, coaching sevens over there, and he's from Canterbury, um, played his rugby for some now, but he's co- been coaching female sevens for the last three years, I think, in Japan. Yeah. Um, so he's going to look after our backs um, and a little bit of transition attack. So cool. counter attack and transition attack is something that we're excited about. So, yeah, he, he's he got some really cool new ideas, um, which is awesome. And then Kim Smith and Anna McCone now, Anna Livingston, they're coming on board as well. So... Uh, and it's going to look after a little bit of our skill set around defence, so tackle and tackle assist, um, some jackal work as well, how we get the ball back. Um, and then my role will be defence, and Kim's going to lead all of our lineouts. So, yeah, we've really been trying to be flexible, you know, widening the group. So, you know, one thing we're really conscious of is coach burnout. We want people to be excited, just like a player. So, you know, by having coaches who are well aligned, yes, there might be one 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 or more in there but I think it's exciting because they get their own portfolio they can lead that and there's an expectation that they don't have to be everywhere all the time and they don't have to be everything to everyone so rather than giving massive portfolio like 
all of the attack or you know all of set piece plus another little side portfolio you know we can kind of be a bit um, isolated with the way we want to do things yeah. which allows us to have more coaches which means you know more coaches means we're growing more capability so so we're really excited and and real grateful that you know people like Kate and Kate Sexton had the flexibility and yeah. Tony Schmelder let us um, select the group like this so is that going to be is it like you say more coaches going to be more capabilities but then is it going to be more coaches fighting for more time on the grass and more whistle time and nah, yeah that's a good point now that's the best thing about this group is they're all really well aligned in terms of how it's going to work and we've got a we're kind of in the process of planning a pretty good week around where your time will be spent yeah um which is good and one of the best things that actually blair ever taught me was you know you there's so much opportunity these days to front load players around imagery before training on the on the social media or yeah. however you want to use it. There's you can have conversations with your key people that you need to, you know, on grass actually these days should be short and sharp because if you've done your front loading right, you know, it's like feeding forward rather than feeding back, right? Yeah. If we feed forward for what we want to achieve at training, it's just so much cleaner. Yeah. So yeah, I think that'll be a big part of what the way we want to operate. I'm also mentioning bro, like with you, with your coach like you You'll have like your coach's hat on, yeah, but you yeah. also got to have your coach's yeah, yeah, head hat on at, at stages <laughs> and at times as well. That's right. And so, have you got anything special up your sleeve around that type of stuff? Around doing, yeah, kind of wearing like my coach development hat yeah, at the same time. Because you are the head coach, and, and obviously the head coach will lead the players, but yeah. you're actually leading the team, right? You've got your players and you've got your your team management. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there's definitely, yeah, that that has shown up a couple of times actually around um yeah, my confirmation bias to coach development. I I think the biggest thing I want to do with coach development is um if if I put that hat on or the, or the head coaching hat is, you know, that's the same I, I feel as though coach development is the same with players, right? The last thing you want to do is tell them what they're doing wrong all the time. It's yeah. It's the 80-20 rule. So you know if if they're a coach, they'll have 80% of the way they operate is awesome. And there'll be 20% where we can get better. So the language that I want to use with all of our coaching group and management staff is, you know, there's a reason that you've been selected to be in this group. So you're obviously really good at whatever it is your superpower is. And so let's be world-class at that. And we've only got a seven-week program. So let's just focus on being great at what we're great at. And then we can worry about the 20% at the end of the season in terms of when there is a review and yeah. we can do development in the off season. So for right now though, we're in a bit of a sprint. So let's make sure that we're real strength focused around the way we want to operate. And so part of my role is actually letting people explore and letting them own their own portfolio. And that, that is, you know, that's not to say that, you know, we can't help support each other with our own reflections and, yeah. and, and make sure that, you know, if you needed support, I'm, we're all here to support each other and that's a non-negotiable. And sometimes a little bit of, opportunity for people to provide feedback is great but you really still want to empower them to create their own stuff lead it their way and i think that goes back to putting my ego off a hook you know i could it would be easy to be like right um you know here's the attack map and you've got to coach that and here's how i want the lineouts to roll I, I just don't see that as as uh you're just not going to get the best out of people do you you do you operate like that because i don't feel like you do operate like that anyway of like Here's the stuff that I want you to do. No, you go do that. No, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'd probably say, you know, and I'd be happy for people to be like his, <laughs> his self awareness is way off. Yeah, I, I would say I more, I more enjoy learning from like um, guiding principles. You know, so when we recruit, I want to know from a coaching perspective, you know, what do you enjoy about player development? Do you like to empower players? What do you, what do you believe makes a great player? What's your philosophy? Yeah, you know, do they need to be great decision makers? Great at character. 
So if there's alignment there around the way that they believe an environment should look to create healthy players, then generally, you know, it's like hiring the right people, right? Yeah. You hire the right people, then you don't have to manage anyone because they're all doing the great stuff. So a big part of our recruitment was around team fit yeah. and alignment of thinking around the way that, the way that our philosophies align in terms of... You must have some non-negotiables though, right? Like there must be some non-negotiables there. Oh, non-negotiables, yeah. I'd say the non-negotiables maybe often do come back to like having the ego of the other person. So if I'm coaching with someone that has a huge ego, I'd probably find that quite challenging in terms yeah. of it's the way or the highway or, or, or another part probably... Uh, probably a key part that I really do look for is... Is, um, and this actually was in when we interviewed people was around their self-awareness. So I'll ask a few questions around self-awareness and get a test real subtly. Yeah. And if they're on the mark and they've, they've got some good understanding of themselves and where their strengths lie and whether, what's their personality, how does it reflect in their coaching practice, then I want to work with them because if they're self-aware, then it means that they've already got a reflection process. Yeah. If they have limited awareness, it means that my job's going to be hard as a head coach because I'm going to have to manage them to help them guide yeah. them to be better because they actually don't have any base to start with. Yeah. So that's kind of a critical thing that I'd reflect on in terms of when I'm looking for a coaching group, there needs to be some ability already that they have had some reflection in their life through their journey of coaching. Yeah. So, and that's why I'm really excited about the group that we've got is because they're all super reflective to the point where, you know, to the point where I think we're, it's going to be so awesome because we're going to have such good conversations. So, yeah. No, that's yeah. awesome. And, and it's cool that you're talking about being self-reflective and just recently in um the foundation courses and rugby smarts that we've been doing yeah, yeah we've kind of been opening up with kind of a little bit of an icebreaker of like talking to the person next year and i want you to describe your coaching as a chocolate bar oh so yeah, you nice. as chocolate yeah. bar as a coach what <laughs> chocolate bar would you be and hearing yeah. their kind yeah, of their reasoning cool. and their thoughts around like yeah. i'm a pixie caramel because you know yeah, i'm mate. sweet but i'm also hard as well so yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. you're just like oh that's pretty, and yep. you get a really good idea, right, of who they are. So oh. if I was going to go observe a pixie caramel coach, I'm going to get, I'm going to probably see like a big, a friendly giant. But you know, obviously when it gets down to, yeah, yeah, down yeah. to the work, they're going to make them work for it. That's awesome. And yeah. like sometimes, like that's an awesome little icebreaker. And often some coaches may have never, never even asked themselves that question. Yeah. Like what? A, and even to the, you know, what do you want the players to know you for? So if you're a chocolate bar. Oh, <laughs> that's a good question. What kind of chocolate bar would I be? Yeah. Uh, mate, I'd probably say I'm probably like a, a pack of M&Ms, I'd say. Like, it's all kind of... Oh, yeah. Just, like, full of different colours. Yeah. You know, like, I'm a little bit... You know, you don't really know what you're going to get different days. Yeah. My energy levels are very... Um, would you be peanut or just plain chocolate? No, just plain, just plain. Yeah. I think... Because part of my personality is, you know, I'm, I'm a highly energetic person. Um, but the challenge with that comes, you know, the energy you give out can be draining. So yeah. sometimes, you know, I can be really energetic for half the day and then I'm quite critical on myself. So something can something bad can happen in the day and then I'll be reflective and critical on myself. And so my strength is my weakness in that element. So yeah. I love giving other people energy through my own energy. But the challenge is, you know, you've got to look after yourself because yeah. And I learned that a lot through my coaching. It's probably the reason why I haven't coached the last couple of years in terms of fully committing to a program. Yeah. Um because I just know that I just wouldn't have had the energy in the current state of life. Yeah. No, that's cool. Sweet. We'll we'll jump into the quick fire segment. I had to change these questions up because you've already <laughs> you've already <laughs> done them before. So um what's three sporting events you'd like to go to? Now before you answer that, I want you to think of like they can be at 
it back in the history. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah and yeah, so yeah, I'd cool. also like to hear, like, if there are teams, what games would they be? So oh, All Blacks cool. versus France semi-final. And yeah, what seven. sporting events would I like to go to? That's an awesome one. Um, I've been pretty keen to go to Kelly Slater's pipeline when he won 30 years after winning his first one at the, was it the Pipeline Masters? I'm not too sure I can help you with that. I think it was 30 years between when he'd won his first title at at Pipeline to when he won his last. So that would be a pretty cool event. I'd I'd love to like just see, you know, how does an athlete like that, you know, how do you stay competitive for 30 years? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a really, I've just always been fascinated by his, his mantra around that. Um, another sporting event that would be really iconic, maybe like Muhammad Ali, like the Rumble in the Jungle, yeah, would be an awesome event if I could go back in time to be part of that. That was a pretty special part in history. Um, it was 3A, yeah, ooh, mate, probably like um, game seven, LeBron James for the Cavaliers. Was that against Golden State when they came back, yeah. Yeah, something like that would be really cool. Just another, I'm a big fan of LeBron James. Uh, that's, that's wicked. Although he's 3-0 he's up against the, the Nuggets of beating them at the moment. Oh, are they? Nuggets, yeah, yeah. Uh, so out of out of those three, which uh, dressing room celebration would you like to be in? Kelly's, Muhammad's, or LeBron's? Oh, that's a really that, – geez, that's a great question. I reckon it would have to be um, – it would have to be Kelly's because I reckon I'd love to know how individual athletes celebrate. Yeah. I often think like when you win, like say something like the Masters for golf, you know, what is the changing room? <laughs> you know, in a rugby changing room, yeah. you've got like 30 people. It's, it's a massive party. I've always wondered with individual sports, you know, what does the celebration look like? Because I, I, I don't know, it just fascinates me. I'd, I'd be interested to see what that looks like compared to a team sport. Eh? Well, maybe we might need to try and get Kelly Slater on. <laughs> What's one of your favorite? Oh, sorry. Who is one of your favorite sporting heroes, and what was it that made them your favorite sporting hero? Oh, sporting heroes growing up. Doesn't they don't they don't have to be famous? They could be anyone. Anyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably um, sporting hero. Well, my most influential. Um, person which i talked about in my last podcast was like my under 16s coach but, yeah and he probably still would be well he was the one that gave me the love for just sport in general yeah and gave me leadership opportunities like to captain the team and so i'd even though you're only 16 you're like i think there's such a malleable yeah you're so moldable in those years so i think that that one person did a great job of making me feel really valued and that was why that year arguably still like you know was my most enjoyable both for just being and loving the game, yeah. But then, secondly, like performance-wise as well. So I'd probably have to always go back to him because he probably yeah. started. And that was your ice hockey. That coach. was ice hockey. Yeah. yeah. So he just started me on the journey around. I think he started me on the journey around, like around. Do you realise that actually, like your own peers look up to you? Because I don't know if you know, but yeah, that's an important. Yeah, that's yeah. A, just because you're skilled. So it's just because you're good at us. Actually, people like listen to what you say. And like the laugh with that is like I remember once I think I said in the last podcast that they like named I was named captain for a game and you have to do like the at the start of the game like the and all the players and one of the players goes 
Man, he didn't say anything. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, because like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. no, I was just like, oh, I don't even know. I'm just here to play. Like, I don't even, I mean, geez, if you even ask a 16 year old what does leadership mean to me back then, I'd be like, man, I'm here to have fun and play and I'm, I'm here to play. Yeah. So, yeah, I just remember that and be like, oh, that's interesting. So he probably started that journey, yeah. I think. So, yeah, right. he's a good role model or hero for me, yeah. Oh, no, epic, so not Wayne Gretzky or something like that. Nah, well, nah, <laughs> Wayne, Wayne would have been, um, yeah, he was the inspiration, but he yeah. wasn't. he wasn't the hero. No, that's cool. Who's, uh, so I want you to put, kind of put your coaching hat back on. Who's a player that's had the most positive impact on you as a coach? Oh, she was a player. Yeah, because I think, and the reason why I ask this question is because I think sometimes even our players can be our inspirations or our motivators yeah, yeah, as well. Usually, right? I mean, if you, it's a hard question to ask, answer. Who's been the most influential? Um, oh man, that's tough. I would say, yeah, that's an instrument. I've never had a group. Um, I'd say the group, the group from. Um, but the youth Olympic group, some of those players, I'd say, were, I'd call them inspiring from the way that they dealt with everything that happened leading up to that program around losing our captain and yeah. losing one of our star players. You know, I was blown away with all of their leadership quality. And the, we're talking about 18-year-old females here who are young athletes traveling to another country. So I'd say, I would say they were the, they inspired me to really understand that if you're brave enough as a coach to like actually put your ego aside and be like, I really need your help here because I'm coaching by myself. We've lost our two other coaches. They're yeah. not coming. So like we're all going to have to collectively here work together. Work together. Yeah. And you might have to lead stuff on the grass because I'm one person. And yeah, I think that blew my mind, eh? So cool. I was pretty nervous being like, oh man, this is going to be something like and a trainer yeah. in the end that went to the, to the tournament. And I'm just thinking... Yeah, but from a conversation with the leaders, I was, they were awesome. Yeah. Like they were straight to it. Like, yeah, it was really cool. So I think that would be the group that probably inspired to be like, inspired me to think, man, yeah, it's actually, it's totally all right, man. You can actually, you truly can empower players. You can say you're empowering them, but then you still control everything. Yeah. Or you can truly hand stuff over to them. And actually, it's awesome. When you do that, they own it. Like, yeah. Well, that group owned it. Well, I think Robbie, we when we talked to Robbie, and I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times, they had a issue with the way that they're defending back in the day when Grizz was coaching. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And Grizz was probably a bit of that, like, no, you do what I say type type person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they just had a conversation with him around their, their defense, and they wanted to change the way that they defended. And he was just like, "Yeah, well, you guys can do it." And he gave them reins of it, but he did put a little caveat in there and was like, "Don't mess it up." But he obviously used more yeah. flagrant words than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's that's awesome. What are three non-negotiables that you live by? So when you wake up, what are your three non-negotiables? Oh, day? mate. Uh, hash, they, so my three anchors, which Tim Black and, and Blair Baxter and Cody Curie were a part of this journey and Bridget yeah. Johnson back in the day because we all went up to a nice cafe and and tried to tried to spend a couple of hours together kind of nutting us out. But yeah, the three kind of anchors or values I live my life by is passion, curiosity, and collaboration. So yeah. So, for example, when people say to me, like, can you help us with this or are you interested in doing this? You know, if I'm not passionate about it and if I have no eager curiosity to learn more about it, 
you know, high chance that I'm not going to enjoy it and I'm not going to get what I want out of it. So yeah. I just often try to say no. So I kind of use those as those are kind of the non-negotiables I use around um the way I operate. Yeah. Which is a big reason, you know, am I passionate about female sport? 100 percent Am I passionate about collaboration? Yeah. And then am I curious to see like where this journey can go? Yeah. Definitely. So they just still kind of they really helped to make this decision about um accepting this role. So yeah, so those are kind of three non-negotiables. That's Again, awesome. no, that took me three years to come up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. What would be, so first training session, day one with the girls coming to camp, what would be your go-to activity with them? On the grass or Mate, off the grass? If it's the first training, it would probably be like the classic connection game around, you know, making an invisible map of New Zealand, yeah. go and stand on somewhere that holds a significance like a location somewhere family yeah. holiday or you might have won a tournament there or and then just like get them connecting and talking about their their journey around why they're standing where they're standing and that would be my go-to if it's the first training because I think I think it's really important you know behind every player is a person so yeah. you know and, and you just it's so it's just so vitally important that you do coach that person first and and going back to like how do you get people connected on a common purpose is make them connect as humans first so like because we all enjoy rugby and it's all yeah, yeah. So, you know, because sometimes when we do that activity, some girl, some players or people will come up with some awesome stories. Some people will give you the surface level one. You know, they'll just be like, oh, this is just where we go family holiday every year. So yeah. Important. And then others might go a bit deeper around, you know, this is my most memorable childhood memory was this part in Canary. You know, we used to go here and dad would like give me all the kicks and I just fell in love with the game or I wrestled my brothers, blah, blah, blah. So, I just think that's a cool way to kind of, um, yeah, to get people connected personally. Yeah. So that'd be the go-to. No, that's awesome. And what does being appointed as FPC, Canary's FPC head coach, mean to you? Well, I, th- I think, what does it mean to me is it's honestly a massive privilege. I, I genuinely, and I genuinely feel because of the coaches that have been so great previous to this, you know, there's a real, like I say, there's a massive duty of care to, to look after the legacy because they've they've created something really special, right? They've gone from having three black ferns to ten or two black ferns to ten black ferns. We've won titles, we've created this amazing program that sits underneath it to support female athletes. Yeah. So to me, there's a yeah, there's a massive duty of care around making sure that, you know, forever how long um I'm fortunate enough to be in this position, what am I doing one to uphold what has happened and then make it better and then hand it on to someone else. I think. And I think, you know, that goes across lots of great environments is, you know, you've you've always got to think about the past and the future and then do the best job you can in the present. So, yeah. yeah. So it means heaps. I'm, I'm real honoured and, well, privileged really considering the people that have been here previously. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, bro, this has been, this has been epic. Um, it's been, it's awesome to have you here as a, as a guest. I'm sure we've probably got another one up our sleeve, maybe another 12 months down the track. Um, but yeah, again, it's awesome to kind of see you, um, back here in rugby park in an official capacity, not just as a, as a visitor roaming the halls and seeing what's, what's up for offer in the, uh, in the staff room in regards of treats, but yeah, super proud, um, proud of you. And I know that, um, you and your, your coach team are going to do a magnificent job with these with these skills so all the best for the upcoming season and and with the wider training squad stuff which you've got coming up or what are you doing at the moment is it coming up starts this wednesday yeah yeah. yes so we're on yeah awesome good man thanks for your time thank you yes it's always great to have jimmy on and having conversations with jimmy he's always got something new that he 
that you can find out about him and he's got so much wisdom and, and knowledge to share. So it was pretty wicked. My big takeaways from, from our conversation was just around how much he enjoys challenges and how he talks about his nerves are a good thing. Uh, I know that as coaches, we can get quite nervous at times and excited, but I guess it shows that level of care and, and understanding that if we put the prep in, we're just now we're just waiting for, for everything to start to happen. And so Jimmy's on a, on an awesome um, journey at the moment, obviously building everything up from um, with his new team He's just jumped into the wider training group, which had just been announced. And so now he's, yeah, that journey of now creating his his legacy or carry on that FPC legacy was is really cool. And it's really cool that he's not just um, focused in on, on the players and the new direction that they're going. Well, not the new direction, because I know that BB was really, um, that was really important to him around coach development also, but just how, um, how that, whole part works is just making sure that the team that he has uh, managing with him around the coaching group that it's just as important that they get the upskilling and, and development that that they need so that it all comes down to them growing and being better and then being able to help the, the players become become just as good so um, yeah I really Really love that chat. I hope you love that chat. If you did enjoy it, um, yeah, please um, give us some feedback um, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, give it, give us some ratings, and then yeah, if it's something that you a conversation you think that your coaching group uh, would benefit from, or a friend of yours, or anybody in your network, please share it on because um, yeah, that was just an awesome conversation. As all the conversations we have with Jimmy are, are wicked, so. Looking forward to chatting next week.